1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. If I sound a little different than usual, it's because we're in hurricane territory and having a little trouble with the modem, but we are here. So let's get started. What is the buzz on the street? I have a quote from Deloitte.wsj, that's Wall and here's the quote 56 cents of every dollar spent in a store is influenced by a consumer's digital interaction with the product over multiple connected devices. Now, if you think about that, they're talking about multi-channel. They're talking about the buyer's journey is happening long before a lot of people set foot in a physical brick-and-mortar store. It's happening long before they even chat with a salesperson, whether it's a human or a robot. So a lot of connected devices What is happening in the world of consumer products companies? CP companies are being forced to rethink everything, their channel partner relationships, their product mix, their pricing strategies, and this is because of disruption. That's right. The status quo is not working anymore. You can think of a couple reasons. Obviously, everybody thinks of e-commerce giants like Amazon. They have changed everything about selling. How about innovators with direct-to-consumer subscriptions? Even I do some of those. And what about private label lines expanding in retail? There is so much going on. So, question of the day is how can CP, that's consumer products companies, use data? Aha. Aha to bolster their brands and grow and strengthen consumer loyalty, because that's what survival is all about. So welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and I have three very, very smart thought leaders here with me today. We covered this topic called Consumer Products Industry Under Attack, Time to Reclaim Market Share. We covered this on our series called Changing the Game in Consumer Industries Radio in May earlier this year, 2018. So I'm happy, very happy And privileged to welcome back three experts. We're going to be speaking in a moment to Jerry Wolf, the founder and CEO of Vivanda, V-I-V-A-N-D-A. And he spells his last name W-O-L-F-E if you're looking for him. We're welcoming back Barbara Thau, T-H-A-U. Just like it sounds, she's a retail writer in this space. Got a great grasp on what's happening in CP. And rounding out the panel is SAP's own Colby Sheridan, who is a global industry solution owner. So welcome back to the three of you. I hope you can hear me okay. Jerry Wolf, you're up first. Jerry has sent me a quote from Pressure and Time, which is the second studio album by the American rock band Rival Sons. It was released in 2011 in the U.K. and uh, in June and a a week later in the United States. And I'm just going to read a little bit of the quote Jerry sent me. Quote, give me only what I need. It doesn't take too much to keep me satisfied. Jerry Wolf, how are you?
2: Good morning, Bonnie. I am very well.
1: Thanks for joining me. So talk to me about this quote. I I have to admit, I have no idea who rival sons are. I've never heard of them, (laughs) and I'd love to be introduced. So tell me what I'm missing in musical history, and how does this quote apply to our topic? Jerry?
2: Well, Rival Sons is a, is a fairly contemporary kind of uh, rock band. And the, the, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a high energy, very, they, they can have a very intense sort of uh, focus to their music. And, I, and that translates, this quote translates really well to what's going on in CP. You know, CP doesn't need a lot of growth in order to generate a lot of shareholder return. Right, this is an industry that 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 uh, rewards shareholders with with uh, you know with uh, uh, steady, predictable growth. They've been struggling to do that. You know, half of their growth over the next three or four years is predicted. More than half is predicted to come from e-commerce, and so it it's it it, it behooves them to put the appropriate focus. On maximizing that opportunity. It ties directly in with the stat that you quoted from Deloitte. Go where the consumers are, find new ways to serve them and meet their needs, and it's really a path towards getting that little bit of what you need to not only survive but to, 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 to prosper. And that, that's really kind of the how do you take advantage of the, the digital path to purchase and these digitized consumer behaviors. The solutions out there, it's time for the for CP to to really focus on it and find it.
1: Thank you Jerry. And question for you, are you a big fan of Rival Sons and what kind of music do they play? I'm almost afraid to ask. Who are they? Well, they're just a they're they're a rock band. They kind they remind you a little bit. They're a little bit of a throwback band
2: to to Zeppelin. Uh just with okay. a, a contemporary sound. They have a lead singer who uh who will remind you of Robert Plant.
1: Okay, very, very interesting. And question for you. Is anybody in CP hiding under a rock saying, nah, we don't need to change, it's okay, the customers will come back, we're cool. Is anybody not aware of or in denial about these changes? No, I don't think I don't think they're 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 not they're not consciously
2: in denial. I, I think the question is the intensity of the and the pace of response. Right? It's not that they don't get it, but it's whether they have the the right weight on the actions to take advantage of it.
1: Thank you very much. Good reality check. Pleasure to have you back, Jerry. We have a lot more coming from you during the show. And now let me move a little bit around the table to Ms. Barbara Sow, a retail writer. And Barbara sent us a very interesting quote from the actor Jeffrey Owens. And I didn't remember him, Barbara, and I looked him up. He played the role of Elvin Thibodeau on The Cosby Show from 1985 to 92. Uh, he, let's see, he went to, oh, my goodness, what a pedigree, as founder and artistic director of the Brooklyn Shakespeare Company. He's taught acting in Shakespeare at Columbia, at Yale. But he was out of work. He was out of a job. And if anybody doesn't remember, Elvin was the one who married one of the Cosby girls in the show. He was out of a job, and he went to work at Trader Joe's. And photos of him working in Trader Joe's were published in the Daily Mail newspaper, and people were job-shaming him. And uh, Nicki Minaj offered him $25,000 as a donation to help him financially. I don't know whether he accepted or not. So here is the quote Barbara has selected, and she's going to relate it to CP for us. The quote from Jeffrey Owens is, What I hope continues to resonate is the idea that one job is not better than another. A certain job might pay more might have better benefits, might look better on paper, but that essentially one kind of work isn't better than another kind of work, that we reevaluate the whole idea and start honoring the dignity of work and the dignity of the working person. Beautifully said. Barbara Thau, welcome back. How are you?
3: I'm well, thank you. Good to be here.
1: Thank you. Talk to me about this quote. I'm very intrigued. Related to us, to for us to uh, CP.
3: Yeah, I you know it, it's the relationship is maybe not so literal but it's I think it's an important connection to be made when this story broke um when he was job shamed and somebody so rightly called it a non-controversy uh as opposed to a controversy. You know, uh, his his response and his he made the media rounds was the, was incredibly thoughtful and and uh it was just the counter to the the ridiculousness of the shaming. And what was revealed by his response and his, you know, just saying, hey, I needed a job, and this, actually, this job was actually good for me to pay my bills, and he went around with the Trader Joe's name tag on CNN and on MSNBC, and he made the rounds, but the, his dignity um, transferred over to the Trader Joe's brand. And what was interesting was that, Trader Joe's has built this brand equity with consumers, and it was so aligned with his authenticity. And it was remarkable. And the goodwill that Trader Joe's, the grocery chain, if anybody doesn't know who Trader Joe's is, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. say, the goodwill that right. Trader Joe's has gendered was was kind of, was was sort of flowered in all the comments, that the comment sections I was reading. Oh, I love Trader Joe's. This one, this... He was the you know consumers and regular people were just espousing how wonderful this guy was and 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 um, his work ethic and also in the comments was I love Trader Joe's they're so friendly there it was just an, ex- an example of authentic brand equity and that's you know maybe it's not the most literal um, relationship to CPG but CPG brands do live at retail and. It's this, this is sort of an intangible that is the combination of so many things. Good product, service, once again that authenticity. So that's what that's why I thought it was important that that, that was just an incredible example of, of branding that was that was revealed via this, this scenario.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting about branding. I knew you would make that leap of faith for me, Barbara. I wasn't sure how, and I'm very intrigued. I trusted you were sending us an important quote, and there are so many layers and levels to why that quote resonates with so many people. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. And now let's go to Colby Sheridan, and Colby at SAP has sent us a wonderful quote from Benjamin Franklin. I don't know if there's anybody on the planet who doesn't know Ben Franklin, but let me just do a little background on him, Colby, so bear with me, Ben Franklin, FRS, FRSE, I still didn't figure out what all those letters are. He lived, he he was either born on January 17th. 1706 or January 6th, 1705, I'm not sure if one was a baptism date and passed away in 1790, American polymath, one of the founding fathers of the U.S., a leading author, printer, political theorist, politician, Freemason, postmaster, scientist, inventor, humorist, civic activist, statesman, and diplomat. He earned the title of the first American. He was the first U.S. ambassador to France. He published the Pennsylvania Gazette at the age of 23 and poor Richard's almanac under the pseudonym Richard Saunders. And he became very wealthy. He also started what eventually became the University of Pennsylvania and a lot of inventions along the way. I think he started the first library and the first fire department. He was a busy guy. Colby, we think we're busy today. Nothing like Ben Franklin. And he didn't even have the Internet and cell phones. So what can I say? Here's the quote. Either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. Colby, how are you?
4: I'm well, Bonnie. Good to hear your voice. Uh, stay safe. I grew up on the Gulf Coast, and so I have this mental image of you being the multitasker over the year, putting up plywood and uh, hosting a radio show. So our <laughs> thoughts are with you. Um, but, uh, Thank you. Go ahead. You know, this, uh, yeah, this, this quote just kind of spoke to me in a way it's got, you know, action written all over it. You know, it's a little more of a of a cerebral version of the one from Shawshank Redemption. You know, uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Um, right. one of my favorite movies, right? But um, you know, it it the parallel that I, I guess I drew, and maybe it's a little bit tangential to our topic today, but it's it you know, the CP industry is under enormous change. You already in your introduction used the term disruption. That's the right word. I mean, things mm-hmm. are completely being shaken up and. And so the quote is all about action to me um and and it's either you know do something yourself uh or or keep sharpening the saw is kind of how i interpreted it and actually contrasting to something that jerry said I, i had a conversation recently with a a very large cp company um and i the visual of the the frog in the boiling water that was you know having the heat turned up gradually they don't notice things getting hot Came to mind. Yeah, um, there was a we were talking about a relatively major technological investment that that was on the table, and and they kind of refused to do it because you know like, you know what we're too busy doing other things right now, uh, and mm. or this change is too big for us to handle, and it just really spoke volumes to me about where the industry is now. The I would totally definitely agree with Jerry. There's my vast majority of companies certainly understand the predicament that they're in with the sand shifting beneath their feet. Um, But there are still pockets of the industry that say, um, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing uh, and go for incremental change because I think it's going to be good enough for me.
1: Okay, very interesting. And this goes back to the question I think I asked Jerry this. Is there anybody who's hiding under a rock? And you just defined that, Colby. You just said maybe they have other things on their plate, other priorities, Perhaps misplaced on the priority list that they're going to do first, and they're just going to be passed over. They're just going to be or, or run over. Is it that dire, Colby? I, I
4: think it is in many instances. Um, the the trajectory of the consumer products industry is not a good one, um, and so the the major hmm. stalwarts are really starting to. They have to rethink. Um, how they do business today. And I I love your exercise of looking for quotes that really speak to you. And and one of the things that jumped out at me that was a little bit too business oriented, um, you know, came out of the, the founder of 3G Capital. 3G Capital is one of the major VC firms that's behind all the chains in the consumer products industry. They bought Kraft Heinz, they bought Burger King, they bought Budweiser and merged them into Anheuser-Busch, and so they are the very definition of disruption. Um, and the founder of 3 Capital said, you know, I quote, I've been living in this cozy world of old brands and big volumes. We bought brands that we thought could last forever. You could just focus on being very efficient. All of a sudden, we are the ones being disrupted. And I thought, wow, yeah. it's like the, the hunter becoming the hunted.
1: I think that sums it up. I I really do. Thank you very much, Colby. So let's go around the table and get to know a little bit about all of you. By the way, I've tried resetting my modem. I have power. We are nowhere near hurricane time here in Durham, and nothing is connecting. So we're going to continue doing this from my cell phone. I apologize for a perhaps a little choppy reception here, but I'm with you, kids. I'm with you. So Let's go back around the table to Jerry Wolf. Jerry, a couple of questions. Number one, where are you today? Number two, what's your favorite beverage, your favorite drink in the whole world that powers you to be Jerry Wolf? And I think you're, uh, I'm looking at your Twitter handle here. It's wolfman 60 So if you're the Wolfman. You must be very powerful. And what is new with you and Vivanda? Go ahead, Jerry.
2: Well, I'm in the Big Apple today. Uh, and um, I'm enjoying a um, a uh, cappuccino which is my favorite uh favorite uh, uh source of caffeine uh, every day. I was treated to a giant blow up rat for some bizarre reason outside of where I got my cappuccino this morning. So I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what's going on with that, but there you go. And uh and what's new with me and and uh Vivanda, you know, our our business is all about providing um, the CP ecosystem with with the the capability we digitize taste, and that's all about helping the ecosystem mm-hmm. to be able to to understand in a very personal way consumer preference and put that to work in terms of their their growth strategies. Um, you know, and 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 you know the big the premise here is that taste drives choice. It's the number one it's the number one factor in in influencing consumer choice. And, you know, you talked about it with all of the, the, the with the amount of influence, the digital influence in consumer purchases in the CP space. Um, you know, we, what, what we're doing is really at the center of that in terms of, of providing, uh, you know, new tools in the toolkit to, to grow uh, food and beverage. And that's what we're up to.
1: Thank you. And, and Jerry, you can't get away with just saying we digitize taste. What does that mean to somebody who doesn't understand how those two words go together? I know it's not an oxymoron, but in, in lay terms, how do you digitize taste?
2: Right. Well, we, we, we can understand very quickly from digital interactions or uh, shopping history what a person or a household uh, is likely to prefer in terms of taste profile of food and beverage, recipes they might like, consumer products that they might like. And so we can we can predict that preference without ever having actually, uh, you know, w- without having, without, without, a, without a direct interaction uh, with that consumer. So it allows this mountain of data that exists that retailers and CP companies have to be put to work in, in terms of those digital touch points to create more relevant more engaging experiences that makes their advertising and their shopper marketing activities uh, work harder for them, higher ROI, better, better results. So it's, we, we, we basically match people with, with food.
1: Thank you very much. That's where I like to be matched, people with food. Thank you very much. You're making me right. hungry. Barbara thou welcome back. Barbara, same questions. Where are you today? If you're, you're in the Big Apple too, I have a feeling you yes, might I because I think that's where you're, we, may, we have to get you and Jerry together for a tasteful cup of coffee somewhere. Uh, Barbara, and oh. what's your favorite beverage and the powers you and what's new in the world of retail writing about CP?
3: Okay. Um, well, um, it's not going to be very glamorous, but coffee is my dream morning, noon, and night. And um, I get it at the Starbucks, and I'm mentioning Starbucks because um I do my mobile order, and it's a whole experience because I go in, pick it up. They have nicknames from me in there. We say, you know, they're like, "Hey, Babs," it's like a, a whole thing. So it's not just the <laughs> coffee, but it's the nicknames and the, all that, and it's sort of it's a nice experience. And uh, so I've been thinking a lot about uh, food this week. I just put up a story. Uh, for PSFK, which I also write for. They're the retail innovation um, news site on Hershey's. Spoke to her to their chief digital officer about just what, what Jerry and Colby have been talking about, which is really having to redefine the business quickly. And they brought somebody from Unilever in to do that. So that's been on my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. What powers you to write? Are you are you a student of CP, Barbara? Do you do you branch out into other areas of retail? Um, how do you spend your time? In other words, what's your muse? What inspires you? You see a story about oh, we, something happening in a particular company, and you pounce on it, or how does it work in retail writing today? Very good today? question. It depends.
3: I mean, depending on who I'm writing for, what the. Uh, sometimes I think that there's a lot of reporting on. I, I'm really more retail than CPG, uh, but okay. It, I try to, sometimes when a story breaks and there's 29 stories about it in five minutes, I'll say, let's take a breath, think about it, digest, and then take it from there just to offer some additional insight. Sometimes it's in it. sometimes it's about the exclusive with an executive coming at it from another angle. Um, something whatever. I always try to think about our readers and typically our business executives and what's, what's game-changing here, what's potentially game-changing, what does the company think is game-changing but it's really not, how is this addressing different consumer triggers and behaviors? How is this reflecting a shifting retail landscape? Blah, blah, blah. So,
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Nice to have you back. And we're moving around the table to Colby Sheridan. Colby, you know the questions by now. Where art thou? What does thou love to drink? And what is new with you?
4: I am uh, fortunate enough to be home today, uh, which is a suburb of Marietta, the suburb of Atlanta, um, so it's nice okay. to have a, a thirty second commute for, to my home office. Um, and you you keep <laughs> coffee same time <laughs> as we did last last show. So it's it's coffee. It's the uh, French press coffee. I have been playing with um, ice coffee lately. So um, maybe that's just uh, another vehicle for the caffeine. Is, is maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But um,
1: well, of yeah, course so it is. But do you have French a special recipe? Coffee. What do you put into your ice coffee? Just make the fresh. The, the uh, French press, and then you chill it in the fridge, or do you will you take it yeah. hot and add ice cubes? in? okay.
4: Well, I, I don't overthink it too much. Uh, my wife found a, <laughs> a pretty economical uh, little pitcher with an integrated filter that you just make fresh ground coffee grounds put in there the night before, and by the next afternoon, it's it's ready to go when I want cold caffeine. Um, so I, I've been add enjoying any that. To it? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit of sugar to to cut the cut it, but it's not bitter. It's it's good stuff. So that's so hot coffee in the morning, right. I guess, and cold coffee in the afternoon. I'm, maybe I have a problem. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> I don't, say, I don't think so. Me? And what are you up to? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, right. So, but you know, you have uh, smart listeners. Um, I'm sure just about everyone's heard of SAP. Uh, maybe they don't know that um, you know consumer products is our largest industry that we go to market with. Um, and so, you know, being a, a CP lifer like myself, it's a it's a good spot for me. We, you know, have, you know, dozens if not hundreds of solutions aimed directly at the CP industry itself. So it keeps us pretty busy.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to reconnect with you, the three of you. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. The weather reports are that we're going to get hit by a major, major storm. It's the inland trajectory of Hurricane Florence. I don't want to call her Flo because I don't want to get too friendly with her, but I have power right now, even though the storm is supposed to be two days away, but no modem. So we'll have to figure that out. Uh, Here, drinking my usual cool cup of water with a couple of ice cubes and a pink straw, Because it's a reasonably blue sky day, some big, white, fluffy clouds. But as Barbara, Colby, and Jerry know, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and this is a doubleheader day. So what can I tell you? So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue on our trajectory talking about consumer products industry, fondly known as CP, under attack. It's time to reclaim market share, but how? There's a lot of data out there in them, Dar Hills. How can CP companies use that data, analyze it, put it to good use, and figure out where your customers are and what you need to do to stay connected and to survive and thrive. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Erin, out. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're
0: making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com.
1: Yes, indeed. You have your coffee break, and now it's time to get back. We're speaking today with Jerry Wolf at Vivanda, Barbara Sow, a retail writer who also covers part of the CP, Consumer Products Industry, and Colby Sheridan at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, coming to you from Durham, North Carolina. What can I say? Jerry Wolf is going to start our roundtable, and here's where Jerry wants to start. Jerry, I'll read a little bit, and then you'll run with it. Then we'll invite Barbara and Colby in to comment. You say, Influencing Choice is the name of the game, and the world has changed. They can no longer rely on mass media delivering awareness of brands and a hot price at the shelf to catch the attention of a shopper wandering up and down the aisles of a grocery store to close the deal with the consumer. All I can say is boo-hoo. Jerry, talk to us more, please. Yeah, you know, it's all about now. It's, with, all the, with all
2: of the influence, the online influences, the name of the game is really about getting on the list, Consumers shop with the list, and 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 there's there's just far less you know navigating up and down all the aisles, and and where a lot of consumer products or merchandise is in the middle of the store, they're just not getting the foot traffic that they used to. So the name of the game is you got to get you got to get on the list before the store. So you you have to think about the, the CPs have to think about a shift in tactics. Uh, away from mass awareness to to collecting and leveraging uh, uh, data from their digital touch points with consumers to not only to make them aware, but to also engage them and activate them, meaning compelling reasons to get on the list. And it's got to be more than price. It's got to be about solutions. And so what it's doing is it's shifting the dynamic and the, the kind of the blur between what was traditionally brand marketing and shopper marketing. And, and so from a capability standpoint, um, you know, new, new capabilities have to be developed. That's a blur between brand and, and shopper marketing that's very focused on pre-store, pre-trip uh, activation. And, and the, you know, kind of the, the, the key to that is that consumers expect and want personalization. And, and so and so mining that data to, to understand how to bring relevant messaging, relevant solutions to consumers to activate them, that, that's really where the game, where, where the winners right now, uh, the emergent winners, where, where, they're, where they're focused. They're breaking down these historical silos that, that align very much to, you know, the experience that Colby described in terms of a recent CP interaction. They just, they really have to do things differently and do it at scale. And I I think that's, you know, that's kind of where a a, a critical, a a critical um, uh, change has got to, has, has got to come about.
1: Thank you very much, Jerry. Great start to our roundtable formal part of the show. Barbara, Sal, love to get your thoughts on what Jerry just shared. Agree or disagree? Barbara?
3: A cre- uh, well, I completely agree, and it's so funny because that that particular phrase, getting on the list, not to go back to Hershey's, but I think that they're a really good example. And um, I interviewed and Doug Stratton, who is their chief digital commerce officer, and half the battle, of, according to him, of uh, fighting lagging, declining impulse sales of candy in the checkout aisle is about getting on shoppers' digital and physical shopping lists before they even get in the store uh, and that is and that is as Jerry just said it's the pre-game work uh, which has completely mm-hmm. disrupted the thinking of of consumer goods executives and and there's, there's there's been resistance but that is much of the that is much of the work that needs to be done and uh, you know and uh, he the, the Hershey's the Hershey's executive, Doug, Doug Stratton, was saying it's about, obviously, a little teeny portion of, of groceries is, is uh, sales are conducted in store. That's still the case. But as we know, it informs, digital informs most of those purchases these days. That's just how, that's how, that's, that's the huge shift, the path to purchase, not how much is purchased actually online. I think that sometimes gets lost in the message. <laughs> So that's where work has to be done, it seems.
1: Thank you, Barbara. Very interesting add-on to Jerry's topic, Colby Sheridan. We'd love to have your thoughts. Agree or disagree with either or both?
4: Well, I completely agree. They're they're spot on as usual, um, both Barbara and Jerry. I, I, so innovators in the space, what, what they're thinking. Um, you're speaking of you're getting on the on the list, um, they're really trying to rethink the consumer experience, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so it's kind of boiling down to is mind share before shelf space. You know, for decades these C P companies have been focused on executing at the shelf. Um and, and to, to Jerry's point, those purchasing decisions are happening before they ever walk into the store. And so it's shifting the strategies of what consumer products companies are doing. And so they're they're trying to Experiment with a variety of tactics to get closer to the consumer um, in, in very interesting ways. Like I, we've seen, you now CP companies are expanding to having their own flagship stores, um, both Jerry and Barber in New York City. There's you know there's a you know a couple of stores that are right there. That I'm not sure we mentioned names, but major CP companies are opening up flagship stores, um, almost going back to brick and mortar, right? To to influence mm-hmm. the purchasing decision, to protect their flank, um, but also think about the, the consumer data that they could mine as a result. So it's, it's huge. Um, and another thing that, that CP companies are starting to do as well is, is they're, they're, they're really innovative companies. I think it's fascinating. The innovative companies are, are trying to go to where the consumers are. Um, and coming up with very interesting partnerships. I was on a webinar recently where they talked about how CP companies are, are going to uh, WeWork and stocking kiosks in WeWork, um, you know, for, uh, for temporary office space. And they're in obviously hundreds of buildings. Or we've heard about major CP companies stocking Uber vehicles. Uh, and so there are startups that are popping up there as well. People are spending time in the Uber. So, hey, why not sell, um, you know, products there? And oh, by the way, when they're doing it, you, to, to buy a product, you have to install the app. And then of course, then you could mine all kinds of data coming off of that as well. And so there, there's, there's all kinds of these very interesting little partnerships that are popping up where the CP companies are really trying to rethink how do they capitalize on the mind share component? How do they make it onto the shelf? And they're getting pretty, some of the smart ones anyway are getting pretty creative with it.
1: Thank you very much, Colby. Jerry, anything you want to add? Yeah, you
2: know, I'm sitting here looking at a, as we're talking, I'm looking at an article that was just published by uh, Marketing Dive and it's entitled Amazon Saturates Search Product Pages with Ads and Brands Are Buying In. You know, it's, it's a great example of, of how brands need to think differently about where to find consumers and, and and, and, and engage them, you know, over, like, it, today, you know, the biggest, the, the single biggest place that consumers go for product information, and this is true for packaged goods, consumer product information, they start with Amazon, right? So, Amazon is more than just a, you know, more than just a, a an e-commerce platform to CP, and it kind of goes back to, to, to Barb's point, is it is the understanding that digital is, not, is least about e-commerce, direct consumer e-commerce, and really all about how to change your thinking about, about where to find and engage the consumer on the path to purchase. And this shift of, of focus to Amazon as an engagement platform, not just an e-commerce uh, uh, channel, uh, is, is, is I think is a perfect example of, of the kind of thinking that needs to change. Kellogg is cited as one, in the article as one of the companies that's aggressively taking advantage of the platform uh, you know as we head into the, the the holiday period because of you know kind of the ability to, to really get to a, a very targeted audience at scale.
1: Thank you very much, Jerry. Uh, Barbara, I'm looking at your notes and there are a couple of places we can go. Uh, I think we've already – this has come up in the conversation. You say we're starting to see a profusion of seemingly odd partnerships to help restart growth. And there's a couple of good keywords in there. Odd partnership is is interesting to me and restarting growth. You say, for example, Kohl's is accepting Amazon returns in its retail stores – Nordstrom is adding Anthropology Home products to their stores. Barbara, you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about the shopper of the future? I'll let you decide.
3: Um, yeah, we can talk about the partnerships. I think that there's, um, and, and another one that was really interesting, and just uh, I wrote about last week, was Amazon opening, sorry, J. Crew opening the J. Crew mercantile format or store on Amazon. And why that's a big hmm. deal is this was like you know, 10 years ago, a J. Crew and many of, 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 of its upscale-ish apparel brethren would have turned their noses up at Amazon. And we know what trouble J.Crew is having. Um, so that is another example of, of a brand partnership and a brand activation. For, you know, th- and there's many reasons for it. We're seeing what, I, what I've called frenemy partnerships, retailers aligning with retailers, and then, you know, Kohl's and Amazon. Mm. There's going to be a big news breaking about Amazon and somebody else soon. Uh, so, so um, I think that it's a combination of scale and recognizing that the, the massive, the massive audience on Amazon. I think they just literally unseated Walmart, according to some reports today, as the nation's biggest apparel retailer. They have Prime mm. members. Um, when you get when you go down to Amazon, you also you also have access to their Prime members, which are. I don't know. I think there's something like 40% of the of online shoppers are Prime members, something like that. Don't quote me on it. But so there's that. But then it's not to say that once you're on Amazon that you know your life is wonderful and that's the end of it because there's there's the, there's the the branding issue, brand dilution. There's there's all these other issues that can come with that. But um, so I didn't mean to turn this into an Amazon thing. But it's hard not to talk about retail and CPG without <laughs> talking about Amazon.
1: I understand, I understand. Accepted. I know. Uh, let's see what Colby has to say about this. Colby, the odd partnerships. Have you observed any of this? Do you think this is the way to go?
4: I do think it's the way to go. I think companies have to do it in the right way, and when they do execute it properly, it's like the the, the cachet of both goes up. Right. So, as Barbara mentioned, you know, let's, let's talk about J Crew and Amazon for a second. It seems like you know, J Crew is a great brand. Uh, and, and so when they partner with Amazon, at least in my eyes anyway, it seems like the cache of both goes up. So I think it's wh- where it makes sense. I think it can really work. And I mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of the others in my in previous, uh, comment about WeWork and cargo, but we're also seeing things like, I was on a flight the other day and, and Air, American Airlines was advertising, um, Casper, uh, betting and Casper has this innovative, um, uh, persona and, and so when when they do do these partnerships again and, and execute them effectively, I think it's great for both parties.
1: Thank you very much, Jerry Wolf, We need to get you in on this Thoughts? yeah you know i
2: think I think a couple of other examples of of partnership opportunities are are in or when we think about the healthy lifestyle space it's massive trend. Difficult, it's been a challenge for CP to, to harness it. So, uh, if you, but if you, if you look at where there are large communities of, of, of healthy lifestyle consumers, they're connected to some of the biggest, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, active brands like Nike, like Adidas, like Under Armour. Under Armour, for example, has an enormous online, global online community there are opportunities for partnerships with those, with those firms that link together fitness and food, right? And so I, I think mm-hmm. figuring out how to make those kinds of strategic opportunities work to engage consumers in context, perfect examples of where some out-of-the-box thinking is uh, long overdue in terms of bringing solutions to consumers uh, in, a, in a context that's... that's uh,
1: Uh, relevant to them. Thank you very much. Barbara, I'm going to move on to a topic here in Colby's list rather than coming back to you to wrap that one up. I think we've covered it. Uh, Colby, you say CPE companies are understanding that traditional manners of innovation are unsustainable. Many are relying on the usual, acquiring smaller, nimbler, nimbler brands, incubating completely new brands that appear fresh and new and differentiated. So, when it, it almost seems to me, Colby, like an, an oxymoron to say traditional innovation because innovation is not supposed to be traditional. But what you're talking about is the the science or the art of innovating. You're saying there are ways we've always always done it, so do we need to innovate innovation in CP. Colby, talk to me.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, great question. CP um, companies are, are looking to um, to innovate in a variety of different ways. Um, they, there's a lot of smaller, nimbler upstarts um, that are coming into the industry and challenging their their share. Um, Speed is the new big. Uh, And so CP companies are trying to respond from a variety of ways. They're either innovating themselves, so maybe creating a separate uh, brand uh, within the organization and giving them a little more flexibility to do things in a fresh and novel approach. Uh, They're looking to... uh, through M&A to purchase their way into innovation. Um, we saw you know, a week or two ago how um, one major beverage company purchased uh, a coffee chain in the UK for a lot of money or, um, you, know, another, you know, Blue Bottle getting purchased as well by Nestle. So we, we see that, um, you know, companies are either trying to innovate themselves um, with, you know, again, with you know, maybe a protected brand but off to the side, uh Made to look and appear creative and holistic, uh, and modern and fresh uh, or purchasing, uh, you know, smaller upstarts, um, and, uh, and, and getting the, the share of voice and the share of mind from these consumers themselves. So innovation is, is one of those things that's getting disrupted and, and starting to, you know, again, to, to be shaken up.
1: Interesting. The idea of shaking up and disrupting innovation to me is it, it's just—it's a great concept. It's just something we don't often talk about. Let's quickly go around right. the table. Jerry, agree or disagree with what Colby said? Then we'll go to Barbara, and then everybody get ready for your predictions because we're almost at that part of the show. So, Jerry, what do you think? Time to disrupt innovation for CP?
2: Yeah, it it absolutely is. I mean, I think I think Colby's on it in terms of in terms of the forces at play. I, I think there are some stark reminders of the risk. Um, Campbell Soup is about to be broken into pieces, and and they've acknowledged that they that they were not successful at integrating both ho- both House Farms as as a, a substantial acquisition. And I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a very important lesson for the industry that just buying these innovative businesses does not mean that you're going to be successful with them. I think there's a huge challenge taking mm-hmm. taking kind of legacy approach. And operating model, and adapting it to some of these acquisitions that are being done to stimulate growth and move the business into into new space. It's it, the the power of uh, the incumbent, if you will, in these in these CP companies is extraordinarily uh, powerful. So I, I, I think that Colby, what Colby's saying is is absolutely right on in terms of levers to pull. I think Campbell's a stark reminder of the challenges of, uh, associated with it and
1: the risks. Thank you. Barbara, quickly, thoughts on disrupting innovation for CP? Agree or disagree?
3: When you, when you say agree, I mean, uh, I pretty much always agree with Jerry Colby. Not to sound, he, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I can make believe I disagree. I
1: deserve that, but, Barbara. I'm, I, I deserve saying, that. You know, I, I, you know we
3: want to be... Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> there's no reason, to, no reason to be, reason to be unduly um, combative when these guys are saying such smart things. Uh, but let's see, <laughs> what do we say there? I guess I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious. And uh, what, what uh, Jerry just mentioned about the, the, the warning, the Campbells, the Campbell's acquisitions of these healthier, quote unquote healthier brands, and the nature of acquisition and buying your way into innovation and buying cool. How does one maintain cool? how does that ha- how does you know what's an example of a brand or brands that have been acquired be it I'm thinking of across the space throughout the years Kiehl's seems to have been able to have maintained its equity the the, the pharmacy beauty brand um under the under the auspices of a larger company which i can't remember what the parent company is now and meanwhile we're seeing what 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 went wrong with with the with the Campbell's acquisitions um and so anyway, I'm just. I guess maybe can we unpack that a little bit? I just would love. Not, I know I'm not the one asking the questions. I just would love to hear because I'm the reporter. I'm not. A, I'm not in the business. I just watch it. What are some of the rules? And this is how we ended our, our previous um, time together. What are some of the ways to maintain the integrity of an indie brand while leveraging the economies of scale of whoever the purchasers is? That's my curiosity.
1: Good, good question, Barbara. We're into our predictions round right now, and I've got 60 seconds for each of you. That's all we've got. So, Barbara, since you brought up this that uh, You posed a great question, and we might have to come back for part three. Uh, I think we're booked up until we'll start booking for January. So if the three of you would love to come back, which I think you would, I'll send you an invitation. But, Barbara, prediction, what's going to happen in the CP space with all of these multi-channel customers, consumers fighting for being on the list for shelf space for disrupting and innovating innovation? Barbara, 60 seconds, what's your prediction? Jerry, get ready, and then Colby. Barbara, go ahead.
3: Uh, more partnerships, uh, more free game um, strategizing, uh, and the sh- more marketing and merchandising is moved to, like like the, uh, Jerry and Colby said, before it ever gets to the store. And, that's, and, and the energy being put there by brands and retailers.
1: Thank you. Jerry Wolf, Evanda, 60 seconds, all yours. Predict, please. Yeah. Prediction.
2: Massive blurring between brand marketing, shopper marketing, and trade promotion. We're going to see uh, some significant innovation and some significant dislocation as a result of changes that occur across those three domains. It has monstrous impact on the CP companies and has equally monster impact on their uh, channel partner uh, relationships and, and collaboration models.
1: Thank you very much. And I saved some time for, we've got Colby. Colby, Sharon, and Colby, they were so brief. You can take 75 seconds if you want an extra 15. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, could, could not agree more with how Jerry's teed that up. I think we're going to see these old paradigms in the industry uh, not going to see. We are seeing them completely challenged and shaken up. I think companies, um, you know, over the next, you know, I don't know, six, twelve, eighteen, twenty-four months. Um, think you know, some of the winners are going to start to settle down. I think there's going to be massive blurring of of how um, you know, CP companies function. Uh, internally as well as amongst their channel partners. We're going to see new channel partners that we haven't even thought of yet um, pop up. Mm -hmm. And I I think how we as consumers uh, buy food and beverages is is still going to change and evolve. It's a little bit slower to evolve like it has been for other segments. Um, It seems like, uh, you know, if I speak for myself, it's a lot, you know. I'm more comfortable buying a pair of, you know, running shoes online than I am having someone pick my bananas for me. As just as an example, plucked out <laughs> of space. So, so, I think, I think, I think, as we, as, as we, as consumers evolve and get more comfortable with buying uh, our groceries online, um, so too are the CP companies going to get their formulas down and they're start going to start figuring out how to properly um, target consumers with the right offers um, at the right time so they don't come off as creepy.
1: Colby, I I think there's a title for a radio show in there. You can pick my running shoes but not my bananas for me. (laughs) 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 Just the way you said it, I I think maybe that'll be the title of part three when the three of you come back. I want to thank the three of you so much for doing this. I'm Sorry I wasn't on a clearer connection, but, hey, we do what we can. When the weather impacts us, I have to find out if spectrum is down. I can't even send text messages to my neighbors, so I think the the system is down. Glad I still have a cell phone with power. So we've been talking with Jerry Wolf at Vivanda, Barbara Sow, retail writer, and dabbles in CP as well and Colby Sheridan at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. We'll be back 2 p.m. this afternoon with Changing the Game with HR right here on the Business Channel. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jerry Wolf, just like Barbara Thau, just like Colby Sheridan. Have a great day, and be safe if you're in the eye of the storm. Bye-bye.